speak this morning from Psalm 84. Um, and I think it's going to come up on, on the screen soon. But just before I read it, um, I'm just going to have a quick word of prayer. Um, Lord, I just pray that your word will not return to you void, that it will achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Um, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that would respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Okay, so, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look at favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that called this psalm the pearl of the psalms. And I think if, if you look at the language, even in the first couple of verses, and um, the language that's expressed in this psalm, it's like this, there's just this deep, overwhelming longing to be in the courts of God, to the point where every fibre of the psalm's being is involved in, in, in this desire to be close to God. It's like a desperation, I have to be where God is. I have to get where God is, even to the point, he talks about his heart and his flesh crying out for the living God, even to the point of fainting. Uh, there seemed to be an anticipation, if you like, on the journey, if you like, up to the temple or to the tabernacle. Um, and there was this anticipation and expectancy that you were going to meet with God. Mm. Now, I had to ask myself, even, you know, I, I've been reading this psalm all week, and I, and I had to ask myself, you know, there seemed to be a positioning of the heart here, you know, before he got to the place where he felt that God was going to be. There was a positioning of the heart, and I was asking myself, you know, what's the position of my heart when I'm coming to church? What am I here for? What do I come to church for? You know, am I coming because the worship is good? You know, am I coming because I think the teaching is good? You know, am I coming even for the social aspects, if you like, of church? You know, is there an expectancy and an anticipation before I leave my house on the walk here that I'm actually going to meet with the living God? Now, I had to, I had to ask myself those questions. And, you know, I have to say I fell short of, of, of that, of, of these, the expression here. Of, of, of this longing and desire and desperation to be where, where God is. It certainly made me think about why I come to church. Um, there's three blessings mentioned in, in, in this psalm. And the, the first blessing comes and it says that in, in verse 4. And it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Um, the Hebrew word for dwell here is to tabernacle with. It means to pitch your tent with. It means to, to stay, to abide, 
Um, it's not a, a fleeting thing. There, there's a sense of commitment in that word, and it's not a coming along when the new teacher, if you like. There seems to be a, this dwelling is pitching your tent. I'm staying here. I'm, I'm committed here. I'm, I'm going to be here. Um, and every time you see the word sailor at the end of a verse in scripture, it, it's asking you to pause. Just take, you know, take a pause and just to, to meditate on these things. There's reference to the sparrow and the swallow here as well. And I thought, like, what is he talking about boards in the middle of the sound for, you know? And, and obviously there was a, an observation that these boards even had made a nest for themselves close to the, the courts of God. Um, and I love the significance of that because if you think about the sparrow and the swallow, apparently they are very insignificant boards. They're restless boards. You know, you've heard, the, have you ever heard the term, you know, the sparrow out of two penny? You know, it's like, they're insignificant. But can I tell you here this morning that there is a place in the courts of God for the insignificant. Mm -hmm. There's a place in the house of God for small people that think they're small. You know, there's a place in the house of God for the rest of the soul. You know, Psalm 62 says, my soul finds rest in God alone. You know, there's a place for you here this morning. If that's you this morning, you feel insignificant, you feel small, you're in the right place. There is a place for you in the courts of God. Um, which is, you know, I, I love the fact that God chooses the lowly things. You know, I love the fact that God chooses the, the nothings of this world and the nobodies of this world and he makes them into somebody's and somethings and that's just what God does. You know, the church of God is the most inclusive place on earth. You know, it really, really is. And you know what that means? That means that I'm in. And it means that you're in. You know, that's what that means. You know, the, the Church of God is inclusive. It's not exclusive. There's a place for everybody. You know, however insignificant you feel, there's a place for you here this morning. You're in the right place. This is another blessing. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. I know a lot of strong people. I know a lot of people that would, you know, consider themselves strong or... But can I tell you something that, you, you know, no matter how strong you are, you can only go so far on your own strength, you know, and that's just, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, you, you, you can only go so far on your own strength. And I feel that sometimes what we do with, with, with this situation is, because a lot of times I try to do things in my own strength, you know, we can bring our own plans to God and ask God to bless our own plans, or else you can bring your resources to God. You know, when you can say, well, God, how can we help you out? You know what I mean, with our resources. And, you know, I, can I just say that I really, I really believe in my heart of hearts, just from studying scripture over the years, the people that God uses um, for, for greatness in his kingdom. You know, the best position I think to be in when you come before God is to come with nothing to offer. Mm. Come with nothing to offer. Because let me tell you, you know, that's, if you come with a surrendered heart and a surrendered life before God, God can, use, God can use that life, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible what God can do with the person that comes before him with nothing to offer, you know, um, there's nothing really that we can do, in, in, much anyway, in our, in our own strength. If you look at the people that God used in scripture, and I was thinking of Moses, you know, when, when, you know, there's a man, an old man, and God gave him a one-line sermon and a stick and told him to go before the most powerful person, the most influential person of his day, you know, to let the people um, go. And that was all he said. He said, go and tell him, let my people go. That was his sermon, nothing else. 
let my people go, that they might come and worship me. And he gave him a stick, a staff, and he went before. And, you know, Moses soon learned that when God is your strength, the impossible becomes possible. When God is your strength, the impossible becomes possible. Um, the latter part of this verse talks about setting your hearts on pilgrimage. I have to be honest, with you, I didn't really think you said much as a pilgrim. <laughs> And, you know, and I think the reason for that is, you know, if you think about a pilgrim, there, there's no permanent place here for a pilgrim. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a child of God this morning, you're on a journey. You know, this is not the final destiny, folks. You know, you're on a journey. And, and, and setting your hearts on pilgrimage is trying not to get caught up in the world. You know, we can get caught up in our own lives. We can get caught up in the things of the world. You know, there's a verse in Corinthians that says, you know, if our hope in God is for this life alone, we're to be pitied more than all men. You know, if there's more to life than this life. And there is a final destiny. Um, it talks about passing through the valley of Baca. And when I looked up what the word Baca meant in, in the Hebrew, it means weeping. It's a place of weeping. It's a dry place. It's a difficult place. But according to these verses, that if you are going through the valley of Baca, you don't have to stay there. A place that you don't have to stay. Um, I was thinking about, you know, sometimes when you think of some of the worst possible things that can happen to you in life. And I love the fact that there's a verse in scripture in Romans 8 verse 1 that says that God makes all things work together for our good. And that's all the crappy things that's happened. The worst things possibly that you can think can happen to you. God says he makes those things work for good for, for, for those that love him and are called to his purpose. And there's a testimony, I think, that comes out of that place. Um, and the testimony is not just for yourself. The testimony is for people around you as well. And it's, let me tell you something, that there's nothing that you haven't possibly gone through that somebody else isn't either gone through or has gone through before you. You know, and sometimes the testimony is for other people to look at you and say, how are you still standing in this? How are you actually still standing with all that you have gone through? And to be able to testify to the people around you and say, well, it's the grace and mercy of God. That's why I'm still standing, you know. And, and, and your testimony is in, in, in the hard place, you know, it's in the, the valley of Baca. If you haven't gone through it, believe you me, you will. Heartache comes to every life, it's inevitable. You know, you will go through it eventually. Um, but just to have that testimony to say, you know, I'm still standing here because of the grace and mercy of God. And I love the fact that it's, you know, God gives you strength along the way for those difficult times. And it's an endless supply of strength, it doesn't run out. You know, and you don't go from strength to weakness with God. He says here it's from strength to strength. You go from strength to strength. Um, the latter part of the psalm talks about better, better, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Well, I can tell you here this morning, I've been in the tents of the wicked. And, um, and I've been in the tents of the wicked a long time. And it's a fake place, the friendships are fake, um, it promises much but delivers little. 
And if you were to hear anything about that this morning, it promises much but delivers little. You know, there's, there's a compromise, there, there's a desire, I think, to fit in and a desire to belong. Um, in every human being, people want to fit in, they want to know that there's a place where they can belong. But in the tense of the wicked and trying to fit into the ways of the world, you're compromising who you are. You're somewhere along the line, it robs you of everything, it robs you of your identity and eventually will spew you out somewhere. But I've also, I can also testify that I've been in the courts of God and I've been, and the one day that it, the day is that you spend in the courts of God and I can put my hand in my heart this morning and tell you that there is no place in the world that I would rather be than in the courts of God. And, and he talks here, he said even being a doorman, it's not even in the door, it's even being close to is better. I think Spurgeon again said that God's worst is better than Satan's. He said that. Um, so why, why is it, what are the benefits then of being in the courts of God? You know, what is it all about? It says here that, you know, that God is a sun and a shield. And a sun is that you get direction for your life when you're in the courts of God. There, there's, you know, it's like the Bible says that God orders the steps of the righteous. You know, there's direction for your life. God, it, the whole purpose of it is, is that for you to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. And it's in the courts and in the house of God where God shines his light on those kind of things and, 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 and directs you in, in, you know, in that. There's also, he says, there's also a shield. So there's also a covering for you in the house of God, which is so important. There's protection for you when you're in God's house. There's, there's a protection upon you, upon your family when you're in the courts and in the house of God. I think it's Psalm 3 says that you are, you are a shield, O oh Lord, and you are the lifter of my head. In Psalm 18, it says that, you know, for, as for God, his ways are perfect. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. So there's a, that protection. There's a, there's, a, there's a covering for people. I think um, the last couple of verses in this psalm, I, I, I struggled with over the years. You know where it says, no good thing does he withhold from, the, from those whose walk is blameless. Now I've raised my eyebrows at that one. said, really, God? <laughs> Don't know about that now. Um, and... I definitely do think that it's a ploy of the enemy. I definitely think that the enemy, one of the, one of the ploys of the enemy is to get you to start believing that God is not good. It's, it, it's a ploy that he does, you know, and, and can drop little things in your head to kind of tell you, and particularly if you're going through the valley of Bacca, particularly if you're in that place, you know, there, there is a sense that you can look, you know, really, like, why is this happening to me? Why, if, if, if no good thing you're gonna walk, then what's all this about? Um, and I remember when we were doing the sonship course here in this church and I remember there were, at one point there was a question that we were all asked and it was when you look and see the face of God what image do you see when God is looking at you looking back at you what do you see now amazingly enough a lot of Christians you only know it, you know kind of said that they felt that God was angry you know God was angry with them in some way that there was, you know, this tight fist of God, you know, and, um, and believe you me, like that, it's completely and totally against the character and nature of God, to be, to be like that. God, in very essence, is love. I'm not saying that, you know, God disciplines his children too, you know, but, but in love, he does even that, he does it in love. Um, there's a verse in Isaiah that says that he opens his hands and satisfies the desires of every living thing. God is not a tight fist of God. 
this was David's testimony to God, the testament of God in, in one of the other Psalms, and he, he says that I was young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for it. Never. And that was David's testimony throughout his life. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Mm-hmm. Now you may look at, the, at the, faith, the latter part of that verse and you say, yeah, well that's, that's for those whose walk is blameless. And um, can I tell you that you're in good company this morning if you feel, you know, that you're, you're, well, I'm not blameless because there's nobody in this room blameless. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a fact. You know, it, it says in 1 John that, you know, if you claim to be without sin, then you deceive yourself and you're making God out to be a liar. But it says that, but if you confess your sins before God, that he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There was a divine exchange that took place on Calvary. You know, God took our sin, our sinful nature, and he gave us his righteousness. You are standing here this morning in the righteousness of God. It's one of his names, God our righteousness. We were, there was a robe of righteousness put on you. I remember I used to say to my children, when I realized this transaction that took place, you know, on Calvary, and I used to say to my children, don't ever let anyone look down their nose at you because of where you live or what you live. There's royal blood flowing through your veins because you're a son and daughter of a king, you know. And, and isn't that an amazing position to be in, like that you're a son and daughter of a king, you know. God is your perfect father uh, um, and, and he loves his children. Um, the very last verse of this says, Oh Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Um, and that word trust is linked in with the word confidence. Um, who or what are you putting your confidence in this morning? Like who or what are you putting your confidence in? Psalm 27 says, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's another word also linked in with this word trust. And it's the word agree. Now, if you don't know already, let me tell you something about the word agree. Who or what are you agreeing with about your life this morning? There's power in agreement. And when you start agreeing with the enemy of your soul, you give the devil legal right over your life. Legal right over those thoughts. You can just, again, he can drop a thought into your mind and well, nothing good's ever going to happen for me. You start dwelling on that thought. You've made an agreement with that thought. That thought can become a self-fulfilled prophecy in your, over your life. It's so important to break, not allow these things to become strongholds in your life. Not to, you know, agree with God over your life. What is God saying? God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. They're the things um, that you need to be agreeing with um, and break those agreements. If you've made agreements with the enemy this morning over your life, break them. You know, they're, they're not true. You know, God has good things for his children, plan for his children. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that, it, that is perfect. Um, and I was thinking this morning of that sign. I was thinking of the sign, you know, welcome home. And I was thinking of the church being, you know, this inclusive place where, and I got a picture of, you know, where it talks in Isaiah 35 about the highway of God and about us walking up that highway. 
and it says that we will be with every nation, tribe and tongue, there will be people from every walk of life on that highway, you know, and, and you know, the family of God this morning, and as we stand here this morning, we're part of a global family, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than you can possibly imagine, but you know, you've obviously made it here this morning, and I'd like to tell you, welcome home, welcome home, we are in the place where you're supposed to be, there is a place in the courts of God for you, there's a place in the house of God for you, this is the place where you belong. We used to sing a song years ago called You Are Holy. And there's, there's a verse, a little part in that song that, that says, um, Here in your courts where I'm close to your throne, I found where I belong. 